So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Family, let me begin by saying, I know Sam loved each of you dearly. You know that much more than I do, but on many occasions, uh, Sam would call me, or he would call parishioners of this parish to talk about his family, to pray for you all. He loved you so dearly. Sam was also known as Amen Corner, at least by me, back over there. He would sit over there for a while. Sam liked something in a sermon. He would say, Amen. So if you like something, say Amen, and you can raise your hand like Sam. He would always get that hand going up and strong. But it was A.W. Tozer who once famously said, Whatever comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Whatever comes into your mind when you think about God, is the most important thing about you. I agree. And as Sam's priest, I know what his answer to that question was. That is what he was thinking about when he pondered God and the mysteries of God. For Sam knew the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He knew it. And he spoke of it. He spoke of the grace that was given to you and to me. Sam would often say this, and I'm sure, family, you can commiserate with this. He would often say, Lord, I don't know how he would save just a sinner like me. He would say that. And I remember the first time I heard that South Carolinian accent, that low country accent. See, I'm from Oklahoma, and we're landlocked, and we have have our own accent. But I remember meeting Sam at Beeson Divinity School at this church, He and Connie were about 10 rows back, always sitting on the pulpit side, ready and willing to listen to the sermon. I remember meeting Sam, and he had that accent. I remember being blown away. It was like like butter. It was butter. It was just beautiful and wonderful. Only later would I find out that Sam himself was a man who was uh, so very educated in clinical psychology, a Ph.D., as you know, from the University of South Carolina, practice um, uh, not only um, uh, counseling for 40 years, but he taught at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. So many things I didn't know about Sam until other people had to tell me about him because he was a humble man. But all these things that we could say about Sam, we might say his resume virtues were not the most important thing about him, were they? They weren't. Sam had, as I would like to put it this morning, For such an educated man, such a simple childlike faith, receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And Sam was also a man full of gratitude. He always wanted to give away everything that he had because he knew that Jesus Christ had given everything for him. Please raise your hand if you had been 
to Sam's Lake House at any point in your life, or at least heard about the, okay, yeah, all right. How many of you have received vegetables from Sam? How many of you have received jams from Sam? Okay, every, every one of us. And I will say, um, Todd, son-in-law, brought many of Sam's vegetables still in his garden that brought them down here in the parish hall for us to take later. Sam was a generous man because he served a generous God. Sam was one of the most generous men I have ever known. But you see, he knew and had confidence in the grace of God. Let's go back for a moment to St. Paul's epistle, 2 Corinthians 5, 6-9 that I began the sermon with. Paul says, so we are always of good courage, for we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Is it only me that, that finds the Christian life here and now so difficult to walk by faith? It's difficult. But if you knew Sam, you knew that there was a freedom about this man, wasn't there? A freedom in the grace of God that, that he was able to, to live life with courage. You see, he, he had not gone to the left or to the right. He had not gone to the left into his own pride and ego as an accomplished scholar and clinical psychologist. And he had not moved into the, into the realm of fear over here, scared of death, scared of all the things that could happen in this life. No, he lived right in the middle, a confidence in our Lord that comes only from knowing him and spending years and years at his feet. Sam trusted in the grace and the love of God. Amen? Amen. I could go on and on. A loving father, of course he was. Now Sam, as um, his three daughters told me yesterday, Sam didn't, didn't have much. He didn't come from much. Matter of fact, his father died when he was young. He was just a boy. And it was part of his father's uh, death, the, the daughters were telling me, that they think that this, this moved Sam to want to be a wonderful father to his own girls, but also to adopt many of us as great-grandchildren, grandchildren, sons and daughters of his own. A loving father, a spiritual father to so many. Our Old Testament reading for this, this uh, afternoon's funeral service came from Isaiah 61, and you may recall this Old Testament reading, for it's, it's a part of what our Lord quoted when he was in that synagogue in Nazareth. He quoted from that Isaiah scroll, which is Isaiah 61, which reads, The Spirit of the Lord, of Lord God is upon me. Remember, our Lord said this about himself in Luke chapter 4. Because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Some of you here were patients of Sam's. Either because you paid to, for the pay, or he just, like he did with me, often just took me under his wing and counseled me, pro bono, how many of you had your hearts mended by Sam's truth that he gave that was a reflection of his faith in our Lord Jesus Christ? Our text goes on to say, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. You see, just as our Lord took that mission upon himself because he was the messianic servant, the son of God, we Christians are called to take this on as well. And Sam did it proclaiming liberty to captives with his life and ministry, the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, 
and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Again, every time I talked with Sam, I'm sure every time you talked with him, he wove in God's grace and liberation through his son. And he did it seamlessly and with a childlike faith that I think all of us want to assent to. His beloved daughter Rachel said that when she thinks about her father, and by the way, this is probably the, maybe the best compliment a father could ever have. She thinks of the two greatest commandments that our Lord said. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He lived it, didn't he, Rachel? He lived it, and he gave it to his daughters and to his grandchildren and to his great-grandchildren and all whom he knew in a simple way in a way that was unpretentious, in a way that was easy to follow, in a way in which you could come to Sam for anything, and he would sit down, and he would talk, and he would listen. Never just put you on the spot, just listen to you. So many years of counseling, of giving liberation through the grace of God to those that needed it. The text goes on to say, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see, Jesus said all of this about himself and his ministry. The Son of God, first among all. But then all of us as believers and Sam himself entered into that vocation, into that ministry with his life, and yes, even his vocation. Laurel, when we chatted yesterday, you said, you know, out of all the things you said, one thing stuck out to me. You said, my father said, you're to love people and not stuff. Laurel, where are you? Right there. You're to love people and not stuff. Again, how often did our Lord say you are to love the Lord your God and you are to love your neighbor as yourself, not your riches, not your fame and your prestige? And Sam lived that. Your father lived that. He was an icon of Jesus to all of us. Samantha, you told that wonderful story about Sam who not only knew about the grace and love of God, first and foremost, he also wanted young men in particular, but women as well, young kids, to know earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, didn't he? Wouldn't he, he was a man, of, a man who could do about anything. Correct me if I'm wrong here. He could do about anything, couldn't he? I mean, a man who could who could plant a garden with the biggest zucchini we've, many of us have ever seen. Matter of fact, three weeks ago, he gave my family one that was like this big. He could raise chickens. He could talk about clinical psychology. He could talk about Holy Scripture, Reformed theology. He could do so many things. He could also teach, I think it was a grandchild. Justin may have been you. I can't remember what the story was, but he taught a five-year-old grandson how to use an ax at the age of five years old. And when he was confronted by maybe Samantha, Sam, with his wonderful wit, said, now, it was a dull blade, though. <laughs> if you spent any time around Sam, you could just envision this. But again, not teaching the young kids out of his own pride and arrogance, here's everything that I've known in my life. No, no, I want you to know this for yourself. And then let me mix in here that the greatest gift that could ever be given to you was salvation through Jesus Christ. To mix that in into so many of his conversations. Those will be missed. But you and I can participate in that legacy of Sam. What a godly Christian legacy. We can participate 
in that by doing as he did. One of, the, one of the daughters mentioned to me yesterday, and I remembered it. I was at Connie's uh, funeral. I think uh, Roger Salter was the preacher at, if I'm correct. I don't know if Roger's here or not. I think it was Laura reminded me of this, and I do remember Roger saying this. He said, if, if, when you're mourning Sam, or you're mourning any loved one who's died to this earth, to this life, this earthly life, remember that Jesus is the bridge, that Jesus holds the earth and all who have been created and who are in him over here, and he holds all the communion of saints over here. So when you draw close to Jesus Christ, you're drawing close to your loved ones that are found in him. So to honor Sam, participate in Jesus, in his church, in the reading of God's word, in generosity that overflows, to give away all the good that God has given to you for his kingdom and for his glory. It's been said that at funerals we are forced to reckon with what abides and what doesn't. And our dear brother Sam lived as an example of Jesus, and he set this earthly example for us. You see, Sam was really aware of what abides in this life. The love of God the grace of God, works of charity, the fruits of the Spirit, these things abide. And like Sam, with courage, with freedom in the gospel, and finally gratitude that comes from knowing the freedom of the gospel, you and I can participate in the salvation of the world just as Sam did person by person, giving the love of God to each of them and to all who would listen. Let me close with this. About a year ago, I think it was, when I was at Sam's uh, house down on the lake, Levi, my son, my oldest son, was with me, and Sam pulled out a card and had a drop of blood on it. And he said, he said Michael, the most miraculous thing happened to me the other day. Has, have some of you heard Sam tell this story? Well, he said this happened just a, maybe a week or two before I had got there, and he said, this card, with, and there was a drop of blood on it, he said it was during Holy Week, he had, um, he had watched the Passion of the Christ, and he was just pray, he was praying. He was saying, God, I love you, and I'm thankful for the blood of your son that washes away all of my sins. He said, oh, if I could just have a drop of that blood here and now. He said he looked over, and he saw on the card sitting next to him a drop of blood. And he said he just began to weep. And that it was like the Lord from heaven just said, here, here's a drop of the blood to remind you of the cross, of the sacrifice of Jesus himself that gave Sam the freedom and the hope of glory that we all as Christians share. That drop of blood. You know, Sam was also a huge fan of Malcolm Muggeridge. If you ever talk to Sam, he mentioned Malcolm over and over, and it was a wonderful thing. But Muggeridge has this quote, he says, Every happening, great and small, is a parable whereby God speaks to us, and the art of life is to get his message. Every happening, great and small, is a parable whereby God speaks to us, and the art of life is to get his message. Even in that drop of blood, he got the message of his salvation. So we do not lose heart, Paul says. Though our outer self is wasting away, 
our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us and for our brother Sam an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. For the things that are seen are transient. They're passing. They're moving away, out of existence. But the things that are unseen are eternal. As Sam lay, dying in his bed at his house, I was told in the final hours he saw glimpses of glory and shared that with his kids, raising his hands up. And in that thin moment, that thin place in that room, Sam was experiencing the weight of glory. And not everyone who dies gets to experience that in that way at that moment. Some die tragically or suddenly and experience it after death. Sam was, was getting a taste of it here and now. And his beloved daughters, after he had called, his youngest Rachel into the room, called for her, and she came in. I was told you all ended um, with a song, the final verse of nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, I don't remember what song. I think you all, you sing that final verse, but there's, a, there's actually a final, final verse that a lot of people don't sing, and I thought it was good to end my sermon with it. Glory, glory, this I sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. All my praise for this I bring, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount did Sam Saxon, our brother, know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen.